When people talk about their favorite Bond actor, Sean Connery is often one of the first names to get thrown around the conversation. The knighted actor was the first to play the role of the MI6 agent, and he would continue to play that role for six movies with Aeon Productions, and once more for a non-Aeon Productions Bond film. Connery's last outing with Aeon was in 1971. The film was scored by John Barry, his sixth time scoring a Bond film. Shirley Bassey sings the title track for the second time, but not the last time. She would go on to sing for 1979's Moonraker. Her first James Bond song was 1964's Goldfinger. Don Black penned the lyrics for the song. Barry later revealed that he went over the lyrics with Bassey and told her to imagine she was singing about a penis. The song was a hit and has been frequently covered and sampled. The most famous sample being Kanye West's Grammy-winning Diamonds from Sierra Leone featuring Jay-Z. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about John Barry, Don Black, and Shirley Bassey's Diamonds Are Forever on me. Cover me. Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. They can stimulate to tease me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which one lingers. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my forever co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Hey. Did I, did I use that one forever young? Um, You probably said I was forever young or something. or like Yeah, younger. a youthful co-host. Youthful, yeah. My co-host in style who dances for a while. <laughs> my co-host who can wait. He's only watching the skies, hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. I live my life based on the lyrics of that song, so, yeah. Yeah. All this is Did true. you say your name, Alex? Did I did. I, I said my name was okay. Alex Mildenberger. That is your name. And it is. Um, Alex, we are talking about another Bond song this week. We are. This is the second Bond song. And for- the, the seventh Bond song ever made, if I am correct. Give or take. Give, well, yeah. It, it, like, I didn't track. count. Um, so first of all, did you yes. happen to watch the movie? No, I didn't. Okay. I, I, I did watch didn't. the movie. I did watch the what movie. What can you tell me about the movie, um, Alex? It's, it's interesting. It's old fashioned. The, the beginning, like before anything happens, uh, before even like the title credit sequence where they play the song, um, hmm. he, James Bond, that is like interrogates a bunch of people to find uh blofeld ernst stavro blofeld the leader i guess of specter and then like kills him in a pit of boiling mud but then it's not really him but it's not really him because it's literally at a like a, a facility that he uses to turn his henchmen into copies of him like like it's not like plastic surgery but they like Put they like boil them in this mud and like turn them into copies. Right, it's kind of like the process for making urukai. Yeah, it's basically the same the same <laughs> deal, except then he dumps them in there and then he says like she went hell or something like that. Although when so he's good. so when he's good Sean get, Connery impression. <laughs> thank you. Th- there may be more of those. Um, <laughs> when he's trying to find him, he's like interrogating all these people, and one of the people he goes to is this woman who i'm assuming is a previous bond girl i i don't know mm-hmm. i didn't recognize her didn't look her up but um she's just like sunbathing and she seems pretty happy to see him and then he just like walks up to her and like he's like there's something i need to get off my chest and like grabs her bikini top and like pulls it off and then just like starts strangling her with it 
and is like interrogating her to find out where this Blofeld is, but she's like choking because he's choking her, and he's like, "Speak up, I can't hear you." <laughs> and then the scene ends. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's 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 Bond. It's old. It's kind of fucked up, but in like, yeah, Jesus it's an interesting Christ. movie. Kind of long. May, there's like yeah, a bit much hours. going on. Yeah, I feel like it didn't need to be two hours, um, but it was uh, it was interesting. There was some like ridiculous stuff happening, some fun like one-liners from Sean Connery. So right, it was ridiculous. Yeah, so that's the film. It's it's about it. So Bond, I read the the plot summary. Sean Connery pretends to be a uh, diamond smuggler so he <clears> can <throat> take down this diamond smuggling ring, which turns out to be part of some operation by Blofeld to like build a, a laser i think yes he needs the diamonds to like focus a space laser right um and he's basically like send he sends these two guys mr um wint and mr kid and just to like kill all the people in the like diamond smuggling chain so there are no witnesses i guess right so there's just these two like creepy guys um just like hanging out in the background of the movie, killing people occasionally. Okay. Um, and one of them, Mr. Wint, is played by. Dun, 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 dun. Where's my other page? Uh, Crispin Glover's father, Bruce Glover. Oh. Bruce Glover. So imagine Crispin Glover, but he squints all the time and has a bit of an underbite. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Yeah. Uh... They're like, yeah. <laughs> they're just supposed to be really creepy. And then there was this actually kind of shitty part, quite frankly. Uh, where they like, uh, these two guys are like on a plane and they're looking at like the Bond girl in this movie, and then right. they're like, she's pretty attractive for a woman, <laughs> and then they just like laugh, which is probably that like weird thing they do in old movies where they're like, well, it's a bad guy, so he must be gay. Yeah, that's weird. and that's like the <laughs> only thing, the only mention of that the entire movie, and <laughs> so yeah, they could have at least cut that out. Like that was pretty not other than like they were spying on the main characters like because they knew what was going on yeah and the thing is you, they could have like they could have made them out to be like freaks who just like to see people dead it like, could have been like she's pretty attractive for a, a living person that would have been a but, lot creepier but yeah, it was like, oh yeah. fuck <laughs> it was 1971 so so we were i, I don't know what i would expect than but, murderers <laughs> but you know probably this is what i would expect right now this has movie, to be so. Yeah. At least in my experience with Bond songs so far, this has to be the horniest Bond song. Um, there's some, like, Nobody Does It Better that's, like... I mean, especially oh, after this. Simon. Like, in, particularly, in particular, after this, they get, like, horny, really horny occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. There's kind of a few, like, types of Bond songs. There's, like, there's the ones that they just kind of talk about, like, what happens in the movie a little bit. Right. Um, and then there's the ones that are like about like Thunderball that are about like that James Bond guy. Wow, he's the best. He's so cool. Like he does everything. He's oh, just stand like right. amazing like, guy. Like your Saturday morning cartoon theme. Exactly. Exactly. And then there's stuff like Diamonds Are Forever, um, or Nobody Does It Better, where it's like from the perspective of like a Bond girl that's been left behind by James Bond, and like wow. You know, he's gone forever, but I sh- like the time was, you know, nothing can compare to the James Bond. So it's still just a song about how great James Bond is. Yeah. And then there's some like, that just get like really esoteric with stuff. 
Okay. Uh, that I don't even know how to categorize all of them, but that's the ones that I can have come up with that, so far. That's your basic category. So you, would you say that this one like opened the doors for the, the horny Bond songs? As far as I can tell, because I don't know some of the other ones, but like if it's sung by a man, it's not a horny Bond song. Right. Especially not in the 70s and 60s. So uh, I don't know about Goldfinger, I'll admit. Mm-hmm. But which is Shirley Bassey. Which is Shirley Bassey's first one. Um, yeah. But definitely this one. Supposedly, like one of the producers didn't like how horny it was, but they just went through yeah. with it anyway. Which seems crazy because in a later film, there's uh, just a woman called Octopussy, yeah. right? And like <laughs> that book, I'm pretty sure was already out. Like he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. And like, the like Bond it's a James is Bond. Horny. Like these movies, I don't. I mean, they basically have nudity in them. I don't really know what the standards were in the seventies, like for ratings. But mm-hmm. like, there's like a there's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. It's yeah. Not, it's not like pornography, but. Well, yeah, but it is. You know, it's very so. Like titties. this, but this guy was like, "What? You're gonna be sexual about this? Jeez!" And they're like, "It's a James Bond movie, dude." Like, like, what? Get over it! What are that's, you doing? That's what like, that's what, there's like six of them already. Like you know, you know what yeah, this is. You know what this formula is. has been established. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, but the song itself, I think it's a pretty cool song. Yeah, it's, this it's song got a cool sound slaps. and like it's really like as like a performative thing. It's it's like she really like sells it. Hmm. Yeah, there's a like it's a good vocal piece and it's got a, a strong instrumental backing track. And since it is John Barry again doing the arrangements on this, we just talked about him last week and how he basically made the Bond song what it is. Yeah. To be clear, he did not write the Bond song, <laughs> did Monty not write Newman. The Bond song. Put the lawyers down. <laughs> but he did, you know, give it that that he gave it that signature spin that makes it Bond. Yes. So, uh, you want to start talking about the lyrics then? You fucking know I do. Oh, I know you do. That's why I asked. Let me pull up the uh, your my phone here so I can get the 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 actual order of it and not whatever right. bullshit. Yeah. Genius is selling us. Because if you look at Genius, it it does some odd things. It kind of squishes verse two and the what I would consider to be the chorus together. The chorus. And then like, and then there's a third verse which is probably fine. And then like, but like splits it up. Like the third verse doesn't end right and like moves it into the outro and it's like what why well it anyway it was pretty easy to figure out that it was not right yeah so yes so let's get into this um the the opening verse says diamonds are forever that's the name of the movie that's the name of the song too to please me yes name of the movie name of the song you know what you're getting into Mm -hmm. then we get into they're all i need to please me they can stimulate and tease me they won't leave in the night. I have no fear that they might desert me. And then you get some horns. But anyway, um, but speaking of horn, um, they, that's a word. That's a term, right? Um, this is as as you mentioned. It's sort of supposed to be sung. It's sung as if like the diamonds are a penis, mm-hmm. um, or like some object of sexual desire. I mean, so, yeah, those yeah. lyrics, uh, they're all I need to please me, stimulate, and tease me. Yeah. They won't leave me in the night. Like, that's horny as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there's that aspect to it, but I feel like at the same time, it's sort of like drawing that con- a contrast between this idea of, like, a a physical thing 
that you can control versus this esoteric thing, love, that is Mm -hmm. in the hands of other people. Like, it's not totally in your control because it requires another person. So they don't get into that here yet. But but this is just the, the main character who is sort of implied to be, like, a Bond girl who, like I said, was left behind by Bond. Or at least a scorned woman. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, and there's that... I think, I think the implication is that James Bond was involved somehow. I, I think so. Right. And there's also the other interpretation where like the main goal of the villain in this film is to get diamonds. That's what he needs to win. Right. Right. And also, you know, you, you just talked about villain, uh, like shorthanding villainous qualities like, oh, they're gay. They must be evil. Sure. I think it's called. I think it's called the queerization of villains. That might be the wrong term, but it sure, is something you, people you talk about. You took a class, didn't you? I took a class. Never, never taught me didn't anything. Didn't talk about that. Up. Okay, fair enough. But uh, also, uh, feminine qualities are uh, right. generally attached to villains as well, particularly dudes. So not only is the villain in this hungry for diamonds, but the the song that corresponds to it is sung by a woman. And the diamonds that are being lusted after are literally, like, compared directly with, like, dicks. With dicks. Yeah. And so, yeah, the other thing, to jump on your, your point about emotional attachment. Sure. It's because she, uh, she talks about how diamonds won't leave, and that comes up again later with the dudes, is that, yeah. you know, dick is forever. You can get dick from anywhere, but particular dudes might leave you so it's Especially like don't get emotionally attached amazing dudes like james yeah. bond who's apparently the best dude i mean just based on these songs sounds pretty great yeah he's supposed to be like the best at everything so i mean that's his thing um and then the next verse kind of yep. similar idea at least to the start uh diamonds are forever hold one up and then caress it touch it stroke it and undress it like yeah it's very like sensual like, mm-hmm. it's all about, like, contact and, like, just feeling things physically. Yeah. That's what all those verbs are about. Um, and then the next line's kind of fun because it gets into the, like, physical properties of diamonds as metaphor. Uh, I can see every part. Nothing hides in the heart to hurt me. Because, like, a diamond is physically, like, it's clear. Yeah. A good diamond you can see right through and like they cut it and like it reflects light or refracts light and it shines, but like you can see inside, you can see the heart. There's nothing hidden versus again this idea of like another person who could be feeling anything um as part of a relationship and you can't control that. You can't know that for certain. Yeah. Exactly. That's I mean, I, I don't think I can add anything onto that. You pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Excuse I think me. we can comfortably move to the, the chorus, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the chorus is a little more direct. I don't need love for what good will love do me. Diamonds never lie to me. For when love's gone, they'll luster on. Yeah. That's uh, so, me, uh, it's, you know, it's, they've been hurt before. Like you said, they've been burned. So I don't need love. What good will it do me? It's, it's, uh. Like, love can betray you, you can be lied to, all this shit can happen. But diamonds, they're literally solid, and, you know, they'll continue to be diamonds for as long as as long as long any human's going to live anyway. I yeah. Mean, I know science is out, diamonds aren't technically forever, surprise, surprise, yeah. but for well, a long fucking time. I did, I, I, I don't, have I talked about this before? I asked uh, one of my first year 
engineering profs in my like solids class. He's talking about like if you apply pressure uh, and temperature, like change the temp- pressure and temperature to some of something, and it changes form, then it's not like in equilibrium; it's changing, and that's mm. how you create diamonds. You create diamonds underground with temperature and pressure. It's a metamorphic like rock, right? Um, so. In theory, even though diamonds are very hard and last a very, very long time, on a human time scale, they're forever. But on like a forever time scale, they are returning to just a state of carbon very, very slowly, at least according to this teacher. Um, I didn't go into that kind of engineering, so (laughs) I can't corroborate. But um, so they're like elves is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, yeah. So they eventually they no get on the boat. They go over to the the Greylands, whatever it's fucking called. Yeah, one of the Rings references in this episode, by which I mean two. Yeah, was there another one? Yeah, the Urukai with the mud. Oh yeah, the Urukai. Yeah, the mud. Well, we'll see how many more we can get. Yeah, let's um, see how many we can jam in here. Yes, and then of course the diamonds don't lie because. Diamonds can't do anything. They are They inert. can't hide anything. Yeah, they're inert. Yeah. And like, if there's any impurities in it, you can see it immediately. And they will continue to shine no matter what happens, even if love mm-hmm. ends. Um, I guess the, the use of the word luster is important because it's got lust in it. It does. It does. And I didn't think of that before, but it's kind of embedding that a little bit, little bit more lusty. Um and yeah, so and like for her, assuming she is a uh, you know a burned Bond girl, she her love's gone, but she still wants that James Bond dick. Who doesn't? It's every it's on everyone's mind. So, um, and then of course we have the third verse. Of course we do. That's um, that's how songs work, baby. The third and final verse. Uh, diamonds are forever sparkling round my little finger. Unlike men, the diamonds linger. Men are mere mortals who are not worth going to your grave for. Um, so that sounds weird reading it out, but it sounds really cool when you sing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, talking about sparkling around my little finger, which is, uh, I mean, now I'm second guessing myself. I was thinking wedding ring. But if you say little finger, that's not really the wedding ring finger. But does it matter? Um, I think it, it it's more about having a sense of control, right? She's been talking about, uh, and you know, the phrase oh. people often use, you'll be wrapped around my finger. Right, it's wrapped around, okay, no, I got it, yeah, I gotcha. It's play, a play on the phrase being wrapped around my finger, so the diamond is easy, so you can just put it there, because it's a ring. Mm-hmm. But as, so, like, little finger might not even can't. specifically mean, like, the pinky. Right. It might just be, like, my fingers are little. Yeah, or like just comparing those things. You can wrap it around your finger. No, sorry. Mm-hmm. I am I am agreeing with you entirely. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh yeah, so that's what's going on there, I think. It's about again, this is kind of what's been brought up the whole song is like diamonds are reliable and here it's diamonds are something that I'm in control of. I can put it on my finger, I can take it off. It's uh and it it stays there. It will do as I do with it. Yeah. Versus a person Wrapping someone around your finger is more difficult and probably not healthy anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, a lot of this song is kind of playing off the idea of uh, like 
men as playboys and women as just looking to settle down in a relationship. Um, right. But I don't know. We just kind of have to accept that because that's how the song was written, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the context the song was written in. So I'd just like to acknowledge that for a moment. Uh, but I don't think I can go any further with it. Yeah, I guess like if if you could rewrite this, there's a way that you could make it that she she wants more than just one diamond ring, right? Yeah, I don't know. I and I don't really know. Like that's just kind of the the character in the song, maybe. So maybe yeah, uh, it's but it does kind of influenced by the the era and how women were perceived there. Yeah, it does seem to be playing off that just because like the line "unlike men, the diamonds linger" just draws to mind this like kind of stereotype of like, well, men disappear in the morning kind of thing. Like you wake up, right, and he's gone. Your bed's empty or whatever. But I've heard kind of both sides of that. So for sure, maybe it could be that when you're fucking men who are like James Bond. So the kind of dudes just get up and leave in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and if you're fucking Plenty O'Toole from this movie, who's not the Bond girl, but like a secondary semi-Bond girl, um, mm. you just get thrown out of a window by some villains and then like killed by those same villains who think she's the primary Bond girl and mistake her for the primary Bond girl. And then Jeez. she's just, they like tie a weight to her feet and throw in a pool. So that's a thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, what a They also a yeah, they throw her room. out of a hotel window and then they like everyone looks out for a second and she falls in a pool and James Bond's like, Good shot. And then the villain's just like, I didn't know there was a pool down there, and then they just like fisticuffs. Amazing. And, but she survives the fall from like whatever floor. Well, that's good. Anyway. Um And then okay. Yeah. I really like the next line. Um the way they do the rhyming is very interesting because it's not at the end of the line. It's like mm-hmm. kind of internal because they say men are mere mortals who are not worth going to. And then the your grave right. for is kind of like after. But I don't know. I really like the way that is done. Although just reading it like it doesn't sound as cool. That said, I feel like it's just an iconic line. I don't know why. Yeah, well, it's, it's so like, like dramatic. Like men are mere mortals who are not worth uh, going to your grave for. So there's your elf, elves thing again. I don't know. Yeah, you know when uh, you know when Gladriel in the first movie gets all spooky because she's like horny for the ring. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, it's basically that. <laughs> I was not expecting so many parallels to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, me wow. neither. But yeah, you're right. Like the the song does a lot to draw attention to that, that those two lines as well, from changing up the way she she sings it to like she gets a little deeper there, and the instruments kind of build around it. Like it is a it is a focal point almost. Yeah, almost a climax. That could be it, Alex. Yeah, um, I would argue yes, because then we get the uh, sort of the the falling. The, yeah, then the you get another chorus, the and outro. then it's just kind of the outro. Yeah. Um, also, I, I remember talking about like when talking about Shakespeare in um, high school. They meant you know talking about iambic iambic pentameter and how mm-hmm. they could use the or he could use the iambic pentameter to like draw attention to a line by breaking the iambic pentameter, mm. um, which is really difficult to notice if you're just reading it, and it's kind of the same here because. Although, no, they do the same thing in the other verses. Every part, nothing hides in the heart to hurt me. Night, fear that they might. So they do that throughout, but they kind of draw attention to the ends of the verses by, like, 
doing a sort of non-standard rhyme thing. Yeah. You know? Um, so I feel like that's a, a very interesting thing to do. That sort of works in between, like, the music and the lyrics. Like, it's a sort of performance technique that has to come up here because it looks weird if you just read it. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, Shakespeare teachers are always like, yeah, you gotta, you really gotta see Shakespeare performed. Anyway, let's keep reading on the script. Yeah, you gotta see it performed, but also in, like, Middle English, or it won't make any sense. Yeah, they're like, but here, we'll listen to this shitty taped recording, yeah. and you're like, this is awful. Like, watch this fucking, what's his name movie? Ah. Uh, Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh. That's his name. <laughs> But not the second Harry Potter movie. Anyway, um, man, I wish he was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that'd have been a good, that'd have been a good, good touching point there. Yeah. Um, so that's the lyrics. So like we said, it's it's horny and about love and why it sucks. It's about, oh, also, diamonds are known for being hard. If you are singing this song like it's a dick, that's pretty horny. That's pretty horny. It's Diamonds are hard. Dicks, sometimes hard. Sometimes. That's you, like one of the things right. they're known for doing. Yeah. So, just saying. Man. Just saying, people. Dicks. With that, we're going to talk about the, the instrumentation, composition, and, and arrangement. Yeah. The um, singing by one, like, Dame yeah. Shirley Bassey. She That's is, right. I was going to mention that. Also knighted. A, a DBE, apparently. A DBE? Well... So if you're a knight, you, like if you're Sir, whatever, you have an OBE, which is an order of the British Empire, I think. And right. if if you're a dame, they just call it a DBE. But or okay. like you are a DBE, I don't know. It's kind of like we also have what do we have in Canada? Order of Canada, but I I don't remember what the title is. You're not like Sir or anything, but anyway, right? It's basically the same thing. Okay. All right. Anyway, she has that. She's Welsh. And apparently she's very popular in the UK, like, I don't know. I have no frame of reference, really, because I only know her for this. But apparently she's really popular over in England. So I don't know. I don't know, Alex. I don't know what to tell you. This is the literally the only thing I've ever I heard I know, right? <laughs> like Bond songs. That's it. That's it, baby. All right. Um. So this one starts with, like, a... Like a like kind of like an arpeggiated thing this do yeah this like i mean it's just kind of a i've just called it a riff and it's very yeah. like similar to we were talking about last week with the like mysterious sounding parts of the excuse me of the like james bond theme it's very like mysterious mm-hmm. and i didn't have a chance to look into why like or like if there's any theory behind it right but it's got. Do you like, know what the instrument is? It's 1971. It could be several instruments for one. Right. It could just be like a, like a chordophone type deal. Chordophone? No, I think I said that wrong. Chordophone. No, not a chordophone. No, that's the wrong word. Uh, like xylophone type instrument. What's the word for that? Um, a uh. You know, slap them around. <laughs> slap them around. Um, it is a idiophone. Okay. Anyway, so it could be like a marimba or something, but I feel like okay. there might also be like a what are the 
like a glockenspiel, but maybe whatever the bigger one is called. I can't, we talk about this sometimes, but I always forget the names. Yes, yeah, the clock is the more metallic one. Yeah, but they're also, the glockenspiel is very small. So the, mm. I, I'm, the bigger one we talk about sometimes. Um, this would be a good time to make a gun joke if I knew what kind of gun was similar to but bigger than a Glock. Golden guns. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Slappers only. Um, they just call them metallophones generally. Okay. I'll allow it. Yeah. Anyway, um, so it sounds like those kinds of, it, and it might be more than one, but it sounds like that type of instrument to me. Because it's mm. 1971, so like it could be a synthesizer, but I doubt it would sound like that. And they weren't very popular yet. So. Yeah, I think you're right on the metallophones. And there's also in the background a sort of guitar moaning going on. Yeah, like really light. Yeah, really light. Just kind of barely big, hear it. Yeah, like very slight. Um, and see, I get Shirley Bassey coming in, and then when we get that first uh, that 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 like switch in patter on her part. That's when the uh, the bass and the uh, brass come in. Yes, and it's kind of like she, when she sings. It's right at the end of the first verse. Mm-hmm. So the first verse is kind of like the introduction, and then when she sings, "They won't leave in the night," it like, bomb, bomb, like plays along with her. Yeah, they hit those same beats with her, so mm-hmm. it really punches every like syllable. Yeah, and then they bring in drums. Yeah, and they're like still kind of slow, just kind of like you know pretty standard beat yeah fairly straightforward um i think there's also like a harp of some kind yeah yeah like at the end of lines yeah exactly there's like a harp sound um also her voice i feel like is really echoey yeah and like it's always hard to hear that kind of stuff in a mix uh which is probably why we do it but um that i don't know it it seems it seemed a lot of that to me i don't know why yeah you seem to get an idea of space right like if you think about where she's singing it i kind of picture like a a big you know like resonant kind of room not like something tight maybe it's a big like hotel room or something that james bond would bring her to because certainly there's very some very large hotel rooms in this movie the other thing (laughs) is a chamber made of diamonds would probably be pretty echoey right and yeah. I feel like if anyone is going to have a chamber full, made of diamonds in their movie, James Bond is one of them. For sure, dude. Um, there's other ones, but that is one of them. <laughs> like a yeah. Hall of Mirrors kind of situation. And so what also comes in once we get to the, the, the drums and everything coming in is a piano. That's very light in the background. Yeah, and uh, we start getting a little more kind of funky guitar, a little... Uh... Yeah, it's like this wah-wah kind of guitar. Yeah, I think it's exactly. And that, I think I brought it up last week. I don't remember which version, but like there was some versions kind of using that sort of guitar sound. I don't know if it was a reference to this specifically, but I feel like it could have been. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me because this is, I think, one of the more popular Bond songs. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising, but it's also a fairly popular guitar sound. Like, it's not that uncommon. Yeah, so, it's yeah, it's part of a certain era as much yeah. as it is a part of the song, right? Yeah. So seventy one is definitely a time where that sound could be around, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously it is around uh, in this song we're listening to, but um, yeah, it, and definitely seems like something people could quote later. And that kind of picks up as we go. 
Yeah. Particularly in the third verse. Yeah, I believe the third verse is where sort of all the instruments really get together on this one. Yeah. And of course we have a chorus. The chorus well, comes course in. We have a of course chorus. we have a chorus. Uh the chorus is pretty good. Like it almost feels like it's a build in itself. Particularly mm. a build to the third verse, which is a really big part of the song. Which is probably one of the reasons that the that we disagree with the structure as shown in Genius. Um, mm-hmm. Because that part is so prominent. Yeah, and it's like it's distinct. And focus, I think one of the main uh, reasons yeah, is once you get to that, well, first of all, you mm-hmm. have, like, she sings the the chorus and sings the luster on, and that's a pretty big moment because she really hits that on and it's high and she holds it, and then the horns do their and then just, like, stops. You know, you got a couple seconds of just like waiting and then the bass slides in mm-hmm. and then it's just like, does that for a second, just not very long at all, but like, it just gives it like space yeah. and then you write into, and then the drums and the vocals come in and the drums is really what I think sets this section apart for me because they're like double time now. Yeah. It's uh yeah it's very like they do a good job of like separating and punctuating this transition, and then like in the in the chorus section I feel like there's more focus on the uh, oh, the strings sure. like it's more just her going up high with that I don't need love and then the yes. strings hit and the strings kind of have that chance to do the their like swells and stuff there yeah and yeah go up higher with her. Mm-hmm. And then we got a transition, uh, jump into verse three. The other thing in verse three um, is the way more of that guitar. It's just doing its like. Yeah, like it picks up. It's doing more of that, that kind of funky stings in the back. And yeah, the, like everything kind of like sticks around, but like there's just more stuff in the front. There's really got that build. Yeah, he really uh, shifts things into the forefront at different times. And then in the the final outro, like the last chorus and outro bit, that's when, like, everything's present. Right, and there's still, like, a, almost a minute, like, 50-odd seconds left in the song. Nope, I'm wrong. There's another chorus I forgot about. There's another chorus! Yeah! Um, This is the sort of B in... Hmm... What does that mean? This is the sort of B in. Like just a letter B. So like like kind of like the note B? I cannot imagine why I would have thought that. It was just this morning. <laughs> it was like four hours ago. <laughs> yes. Um, All right. So then yeah. we get the outro. Um, the drums come back. The double time drums come back. That guitar's mm-hmm. playing. There's like some bigger horns. There's some really big. She's just saying diamonds are forever, forever, forever. And then has her big forever. Like, that's that. That's the yeah. good line. And just yeah, the, the, like, the, the, the horns are doing this sort of climb up. They're like. Ugh. Hang on. I got to take my thing off. 
Ugh. Yeah, take it off, Outer Alex. Layer. Oof. Yeah, and then just kind of like big horns, big held note, and then it pump, and it's over. Yeah, and it's fucking done. I like that it has a a, a finish. Yeah, fortunately, most of these do. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, spoil in the future, but uh, compared to last week, where sometimes they just like fade out, and it's like, why? I don't know. Yeah, cause yeah, especially with the the original theme, it was just so like like you know, it was chore not choreographed, but uh, composed, like arranged. Right. It was it was built specifically for that purpose. Yeah, and especially because like it's played in that intro credits scene. Um, and it it needs to end fast. I guess it could fade mm-hmm. out for that. More dramatic exactly. if you end fast. That's my opinion. I I agree as well because it it leaves the you the people to kind of think, and be like whoa, and be like you know, oh James gotta... Bond already killed Blofeld. I guess it's time Hot to damn. stop a diamond smuggling ring for an international corporation that apparently has enough sway to make MI five MI six. I think it's MI6. I incorrectly called it MI5 yeah. last week, but I, I checked Wikipedia this week. To make MI6 go after some thieves who are stealing their diamonds in South Africa. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And so no that's, one bats uh, an that, eye. All right. That's the original song, this sort of hypnotic, horny song about diamonds and also James Bond. We're going to start talking. Uh, okay. Ba- <laughs> Sorry, somebody oh. just like rolled by with a cart. Uh, I panicked a bit. We're going to start talking about <laughs> the covers, starting with John Barry's cover in 1971. This yeah. is off the official soundtrack, right? This isn't right? really a cover. This is just a different version. It's like a reinterpretation, really. It's like his own melody. I think he wrote the melody. Um, He might not have. Yeah. But it's like, it's just another version from the movie that plays mm-hmm. during some scenes. Um, It's all instrumental. It's a little more like jazzy. And actually the beginning kind of starts with just like this piano. And like, it's just kind of like generic jazz at the start. Like upright bass yeah. and piano. And there's... It doesn't sound like the original at all. And then he starts playing the melody on the mm-hmm. piano. Um, pretty simple. Pretty simple. Um, it's a stand-up bass. You can really tell by the way those strings ring out. Yes, uh, absolutely. The whole vibe of this is somewhere between, like, lounge music and, like, if if uh, if this was a video game, if Diamonds Forever was a video game, this would be your game over music. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's well, until like the it's horns like come slow, in. Slow, relaxing. Mm-hmm. At least at the start. There's also there's the piano playing the melody, but there's also some kind of guitar or something that is yeah. also playing along with it, and it's kind of hard to tell because they're playing at the same time. Um, but that happens. Yeah, I That's definitely all. didn't even notice it. Yeah, it's hard to notice because it's playing at the exact same time, and I barely noticed it myself. And I'm not entirely convinced it happened, quite frankly. It is like a like it's a very smooth kind of jazz guitar. Yes, it's like 
I don't know, maybe a classical guitar with nylon strings or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because the it's not the nose I noise I initially associate with uh with a guitar. <laughs> yeah, even an acoustic guitar. Um, mm-hmm. So they play that melody, uh, and then there's like it still does that like horn sting between the verses, but it's such like a soft version. It's just like this very understated like da 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 da. Like it's not as sharp. Yeah, do you think it's uh horns exclusively or is there wood 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 it's oh. woodwoods woodwoods Steve Winwood do you think Steve Winwood's in there I think Steve Winwood's in there he's like I'm trying to remember Steve Winwood songs Call on me Valerie isn't that him <laughs> Yes I think he might have also done um Dear Mr Fantasy in yeah, some that capacity is, that is him. Anyway, um, but yeah, does it is it exclusively horns or are there woodwinds on that? No, I think there's more stuff. They soften it up for sure. It's not brass, or is it even? Could it be only woodwinds? Quite frankly, it could be just to make it softer. Um, and then they do the whole thing again, but with chimes, do 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 do, which might even be the same chimey sounds that are in the original. Like yeah, could be like opening riff, um. And, of course, the drums are all, like, swishy and probably brushes or something. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the whole shtick of the song. Yeah, like, really just, just kind of repeat. It's meant to be background music. It's a softer version that plays when they need to walk somewhere or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, does this play in the actual movie? I believe it does, like, occasionally. Because you definitely hear that melody throughout the movie. Okay. Um, the do 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 do, and sometimes the opening riff, in various parts, uh, with yeah. various instrumentation. So, that's that's it. That's what it is. I don't know if there's that's anything like a, else. Um, to really add. To add, I don't even think the percussion really picks up for that third verse. I thought it did at first, but it's really soft and kind of hard to tell. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Um, no, I don't think it, you do. Yeah, you get the you get the string build up, same as in the original for the "I Don't Need Love" sections, the chorus, which is just say that it's yeah. there's more string in that section. Yeah, but everything is just like very soft. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, last twenty seconds, we get a build on the uh, the woodwinds there, and then it like hits some flutes. And just kind of like fades out. Yeah. But yeah, that's the John Barry one. Like it's a it's a fine composition. It probably serves its role as uh, you know movie background music well enough. Yeah, I mean it uses all the best parts. It basically is the yeah. same structurally. It uses the like the riff and the melodies and yeah. Yeah. Uh, with that, we're going to move into Cinerama in 2001. Jump all the way to 2001. Uh, I didn't do anything in between. Honestly, most of the stuff in between was like orchestras and stuff. Percy right. Faith and his orchestra, Michael Clement and his orchestra, the Frank Berber orchestra. Oh, this one actually is singing, but it's also Live and Let Die. Huh? 
All right. Anyway, so yeah, it's a lot of like instrumental versions. So we didn't talk about. Yeah. Those. So this is uh this is a uh, primarily a duo. Sometimes they have other musicians with them, but it's David Gedge and Sally Merle. They're named after basically the predecessor to IMAX. It's <laughs> if you look at their like Spotify profile, it's like oh we were named after the thing that was pr- promising a widescreen immersive film wide experience before IMAX. projected images simultaneously from fr- three synchronized thirty-five millimeter projectors. That's cool. my god. Um, and curved so screen. It's... <laughs> Amazing. They were way ahead of their time. Way ahead of their time, but it's uh, it's part like David Gedge's love of love, courtship, romance, lust, and infidelity, and also part his love of uh, like film scores. I guess he's a scorecore fan, so he's a big fan of John Barry. And this song, I would argue, is like the perfect synthesis of those two concepts. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what this. Uh... Description, I just took it from Wikipedia, said they're indie pop, known for combining guitar rock music with string and woodwind sounds. But there was not a lot of, like, woodwind stuff in here. Was there any? No. I think this is, because the, the, it also says they're primarily a duo and sometimes have other musicians. Oh, right. This is the duo. I'm pretty sure this is just them. Okay, that's fair. Um, so they play this. They play the opening riff, and it's on this really echoey guitar. Mm-hmm. Um... And then it's a male voice singing. It's what was his name again? Uh, David David Gedge. Gedge. Um, and then it's kind of similar where they like bring stuff in gradually. So the bass comes in at the end of the first verse. Yeah. Um, first verse. Is there a bass on this? I'm pretty sure. Let's double check. I noticed drums. Oh yeah, you're right. There is a bass. Yeah, I found it. I heard it. <laughs> so, and then and then there's another kind of interesting thing they do in that between the verses, the like st- horn stings are replaced by this really distorted guitar, and the rest of the song is like very not distorted. Like it's echoey, but it's pretty clean. And then yeah. suddenly, for like a couple seconds, it's just like this ripping guitar playing that yeah, and these he- heavy drum hits to accompany it too. Yes, and uh, in particular on that first transition, because that's when the drums come in. Hmm. Um, and they're kind of just playing like a cymbal heavy rock beat, or just a rock beat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, that guitar keeps doing the riff in the background. Um, mm-hmm. And then, j- like, they do a little bit of stuff at the end of the verse where, like, they'll hit the cymbal more, like, with the rhythm and the guitar will follow. Um, yeah. Did you yeah, have anything else to say about those verses? Um, yeah, so when you get to the chorus on this one, there's, like, a, a choir sound in the background. Yes, it's all just like ah, uh, like mm-hmm. I, I believe it's a string part from the original, uh, but just done with vocals. Yeah, and uh, so like there is, uh, I would say he doesn't sound that horny when he sings. No, he doesn't sound very horny. It's very like soft indie pop kind of breathy. Yeah, um, you do get to hear a lot of his inhaling at the start of lines. <gasps> that's little, I don't need love. That's a little horny. I feel like a I don't little. notice that, like unless it's pointed out. 
Do you yeah, have I, that sometimes? I, I, I don't know. Sometimes. I, I like sometimes I notice it and I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Like, I love that you can hear them <laughs> breathe. I feel like it adds a, a layer to it. Right. Or sometimes I'm like, yeah, come on, step away from the mic to breathe. Just turn your Learn head. From, yeah, turn your head like Tayson Day. But like, I don't know. Breathing is such a like natural thing that everyone has to do. So if I'm just talking to a person, they're breathing, like guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So I would I expect like them the to sometimes is... have to stop a bit to breathe, you know? Yeah, I think the difference is whether or not I like the artist is a contributing factor. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Because if it's somebody I'm a fan of, I'm like, oh, God, they're brilliant. They put in that breathing because it really, really humanizes the piece and really brings out some extra emotion. Whereas with this one, I'm like, you fucking idiot. Quit breathing, dummy. <laughs> dummy, come on. You're supposed to be horny, not breathy. Yeah, not Jeez. breathy. Dumb motherfucker. Dumb motherfucker. Um, I thought that this could have used... Uh, because it needs a big moment, and when you have that distorted guitar that threatens to come in at every time, right? I mean, it does come in at the end, but it doesn't really. It rip does. At it's the like end. the very end. Um, I thought it was it was interesting, and it was very like, um, what's the word I used? It was it showed like a lot of restraint to not bring that guitar out earlier. But I agree, mm-hmm. there are times where it feels like there should be big moments. Uh, particularly for me, the ends of the um choruses the luster online he yeah. sings it by going into like this falsetto which really softens it and i feel like that kind of takes away from that energy um maybe that's fine i don't know but it, it felt like it needed maybe a little bit bigger moment there yeah it's uh that's because that falsetto is that sort of soft longing whereas this one needs a hard lust yeah, which and the weird thing is he sings fairly high and strongly, like closer to the end. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he could hit that without falsetto or not. It almost yeah. seems like he could. Because particularly at the very end, like the outro, which is when the guitar like really comes in. Yeah. Um, He's also singing more strong he's singing more powerfully i guess so that's the big moment but it it kind of it's very uh concentrated right at the end mhm yeah it's uh it, it this version leaves something to be desired i would yeah, say yeah it's overall. got some good elements but i don't know if it's that great overall yeah i think it needs like i it needs a second draft you need to pick out those elements that worked and find the the parts where you're gonna push them and sort of build these new new you know sonic spaces i need more of that distorted guitar if we're not gonna go up with it let's go like really down and dirty with it and make this sort of gross horny space yeah i mean that's that's what the lyrics say that's definitely yeah. what the lyrics say <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he he ends it pretty well on his holding the line forever. So That's yeah, he's good. clearly got some vocal chops. I think he just needs yeah. to push those a little more. With that, we're gonna talk about uh, Project Pimento. Project in, Pimento uh, in two thousand three. Two thousand three, Project Pimento. Off their album. I'm not saying all the albums, but I want to say this album because it is called Magical Moods of the Theremin. 
again, that is relevant to the, the content of the song. To the content which of the has song. has a theremin solo it has in a it. Theremin in it. Theremin in it. Theremin in it. Theremin. So, according to their, their Facebook page, uh, Project Pimento is Earth's only theremin lounge band. Let's fucking start a theremin lounge band right now, I mean, Alex. I I'm planning to build a theremin in the next few months. If I can find a stupid inductor to put in it, I will have all the parts. So Fuck yeah. It's coming up. It's coming up. We're we're coming for your project we're pimento. For your project pimento. Alright. So this one starts with this kind of like descending pattern on a guitar. As far yeah. as I can tell, it is not like in any way related to the original opening riff. No, if you listen to it's just the first fast. two notes it plays, it sounds it almost sounds to me like the beginning to I think closer to the heart. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. It definitely does sound like that. Um, but they're just kind of playing this like triplet. Yeah. And then she comes in with just singing the the lyrics over top of that. You can really tell that that picked guitar or whatever it is is going very fast. And the singing mm-hmm. is very slow relative to it. So they kind of got that contrast there. Right. And then with her, every line of hers is echoed by this kind of spacey synth. She's like, diamonds yeah. are forever. And you hear that like... And then again, you do the first verse as this sort of like low energy I kind of focus on the vocals in a, a couple of little instrumental pieces and yeah. then we get into the sort of the, the meat of it where the drums and uh, this organ kick in yes they got this really like almost surfy organ like and then the drums come in too they're fairly fairly soft but kind of like really playing that snare <laughs> Yeah, they're really just there to keep the rhythm more than anything yeah. else. Um, and then the other thing they have pretty early on, I believe. Hang on, let me listen for it. Yeah, they have a bit of a wah guitar coming, coming in. There yeah, as they well. do. Um, and it starts much earlier than the original. Uh, and then so they got that kind of like organ and wah guitar, sort of playing at the ends of lines. No, yeah. While the line's still going. Yeah. So, like, it's at the end, but it's not after. Um, and then, once it's, like, I was thrown off by this at first. I didn't realize what it was. Um, it's a theremin. But yeah, I right, called it an operatic screech. Yes. I thought it almost sounded like someone singing in a whistle register at first. Yeah. Um, and then it, like, gets really high. <laughs> uh, but, yes, it's a really high-pitched theremin. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it took me a minute, but it's playing this like, just like theremin part. Kind yeah. And props to him. Part. I don't know if I've ever heard a theremin used to sound like melodically. Okay. Usually they they use them to sound very like, you know, disharmonic discordant. Yeah. I think that's kind of a, that's something that used to happen a lot more. Like, there were people who were like, look, it can kind of sound like a cello. And then they'd play... I've seen a video of a guy playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow on mm-hmm. a theremin. If you search theremin, it's like one of the first videos. Um, but 
it's also a good instrument for making like creepy and weird sounds for like aliens mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's also not that common as an instrument. So you end up it's it ends up being, yeah, this kind of like otherworldly thing. And the sounds it makes are weird because they're very like smooth. Um which I think kind of influences the way this happens uh, or the way they play in this because if um, the next like verse and chorus, they drop the um, singing all together and then it's just the theremin playing. It plays a verse and a chorus um, after she sings the verse and there's like some articulation that's not present. Uh, Like some of the notes you don't hear because like she plays along with the shape of the melody, but doesn't, I think she plays, I think it's a woman. That's why I'm saying it. Right. She's playing the theremin. Cause I'm seeing a picture right now of her posing next to a theremin. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. It might not be anyway. Um, the theremin player. So, um, and I believe because of the way the theremin works, you don't really trigger notes in the way that like on a synthesizer, usually you would use a keyboard and you'd right. hit a note. And every time you push a key on the keyboard, you trigger a note, and that note has an envelope of the sound. It, it The volume increases from nothing to some profile and decreases back to nothing to some profile after you let go of the key. Um, but a theremin doesn't have that because a theremin just has a volume control and a pitch control. So if you want to play articulated notes, you have to move your hand up and down on the volume control to be like, right. now the note stopped, Now the no- and we're doing another note. So if you want to play in that staccato way, you have to constantly be moving. So I feel like there would probably be a, a tendency to not always articulate everything if you're playing distinct notes. Okay. Uh, so that seems to me why they might make that decision to play it the way they did. Yeah, that seems to make sense to me, but I mean, I don't know that much about theremin. Yeah, this is all just guess work on my part. Yeah. I haven't played theremin a ton yet. Another, another thing worth pointing out. I actually got two things worth pointing out here. One, the bass line on this is very funky. That and is true. And two, the guitar is reminiscent of, I believe, uh, it's it's David Bowie song. It's off Young Americans. I'm pretty sure it's Fascination, Fascination. but the tone of the guitar is very similar. And also, that's a fucking good album. I just looked at the songs on that album earlier today because I was doing the notes for this. I was like, fuck yeah. It's weirdly Young easy Americans. to forget that. You're like, I haven't listened to the album. Or if you don't listen to it in like six months or a year or something, and then mm-hmm. you, or more, and then you look at it and suddenly you're like, how did I forget all these great songs? <laughs> They're fucking bangers. You're like, god damn. Um,. Let's see. Yes. So then after the um, theremin plays a verse and a chorus, they go back into the song and they do the actual third verse and then the chorus. And it's pretty standard. Like she sings the part and she changes the, they do those like melodic switch ups where like they'll go a little up instead of a little down. Like it's still diatonic. It's still in the key. Right, same interval, but in a different direction. Yeah, or even not the same interval. Mm. But, like, it, it's it's like very, very similar melody, but it's not exactly the same. And, like, it changes it up a bit. Not that much. Okay. Pretty common. Yeah. We, we talk about it sometimes. And, like, she's got a, a perfectly acceptable voice here. I think, you know, she's got that lounge kind of style to her. Yes, it's I a little softer. 
theremin steals the spotlight by far. It does. I mean, it's a very distinctive instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's weird. I mean, how many instruments are played with two antennas? Yeah. That sounds like an alien thing. It's and not, it yeah, sounds like an alien thing on top of that. So Exactly. It's played in an alien manner and it makes alien noises. And given that the name of the album is, uh, what is it, Magic of the Theremin or whatever? Magic Moods of the Theremin. Magical Moods of the Theremin. I mean, it's. I think it's pretty clear that they're trying to highlight their theremin work on this. And I think this does yeah. a good job of that. Yeah. I mean, I admire their dedication to the theremin. It's not... Yeah. Not a lot of people have that. It's almost like like Jethro Tull is like, yeah, we're flute rock. Like, No one does that. That's not a thing. You just have a flute, but okay. I'm into yeah. it. Like, um, And one other thing I wanted to mention, last thing, second last thing, um, in the outro, no, second last thing? Yeah. Um, when she does the diamonds are forever, forever, forever. It actually sounds like an echo in this one. It doesn't sound like she's just saying the word over and over again. Mm. So... That's cool. It is cool. Um, I, I'm surprised. Like, I don't know if the original was an echo or if she just said it. I think she says it because I think I saw her sing it live and she just like sings forever multiple times. Yeah. Which is fine. They're far enough apart, but I believe this is an actual echo. Um, and there's also there's one like weird thing the guitar does. And I kind of messed up my timestamp. So this happens earlier on. But if you okay. go to like 335. Did you hear it? Oh, that like. Yeah, it's like they like. I think they're just dragging their hand across the fretboard while they strum, or something like that, or yeah. or or muting the strings and strumming on the fretboard, or something like that. But yeah, like comically like, muted, like you wouldn't regularly yeah. do it like that. Yeah, but it's kind of a neat effect. Um, yeah, that fits in with the way the guitar plays. It's kind of that like wah sound. Wah wah. So yeah, cool version. Yeah, good, good I thought use it was of the uh, like, pretty good for technically being like a novelty version. <laughs> yeah, really. It's unfortunate that the theremin is considered a novelty instrument. Yeah, we're we're gonna bring it back. We'll as bring it back. The, the second lounge theremin band or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I have to build one first. Build it, and but I have will come. I have people to help me, so it's great because I got this. Like you got the instructions that were made by um, Bob Moog. They published them in the 90s, and right. there's, a, there's also instructions to, like, build the cabinet, I guess you'd call it. It's fairly small. Um, but I'm, like, talking to Will, and he's like, oh, yeah, I can bend those pipes. I can make those antennas. Like, uh, we'll, we'll cut you a piece of sheet aluminum for that. I'm like, yes. Fuck, yeah. I was just thinking, yeah, you live in a house with, like, a, a machinist and a, a mechanical And a basically engineer, a machinist. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, cool stuff. You guys could start like a little bunker. You got you guys, and then you got Nicole for medical attention. <laughs> yeah, we just live here. We don't need food. We'll, we'll punch it ourselves. Something to consider, Alex. You could be the next Bond villain. Oh yeah, shit. What was I talking about recently? Um, there's James a Bond. There's a. Hang on. Let me find this. Um, dun, 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 dun. no, that's the wrong thing. There's a volcano I've been looking at. Uh, <laughs> looking at buying? No. Um, it is close to you, actually. Ooh. It is called Bowie... C uh, is it a volcano? Bowie Seamount. I don't think it's a volcano. 
I thought it was a volcano, Bowie. but now I'm second guessing. Seamount. Submarine volcano, it says. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So it's fairly close to you, I think. I think it's just on the other side of Vancouver Island. You know. Damn, son. Just a stone's throw away. Um so I was thinking about maybe putting my my undersea volcano base there. Seems like a pretty cool place. That's the place to do it. You can get up some David Bowie shit there. Mm-hmm. You can get pretty freaky underwater. Under the sea. Under the sea. <laughs> my under favorite David sea. Bowie song. Yes. Under the sea. Under the sea. Um, speaking of people who aren't David Bowie, let's talk about Chaka Khan. Let's talk in, about uh, Chaka Khan. Diamonds are forever. Hold one up and then caress it. Touch it, stroke it, and undress it. Chaka Khan, born Yvette Marie Stevens. Um called the Queen of Funk, was apparently the first R&B artist to have a crossover hit featuring a rapper in 1984. So that's probably a big Hmm. deal. Um, deal. She did the song Through the Fire, which was also sampled by Kanye West. Hey! In Through the Wire, the Kanye West song. Um, And she's been around for a while. She does stuff. She sings. That's the stuff she does. That's the stuff she does. And she sings pretty goddamn well. Yeah. Uh, I saw, there's like a video I saw of like her singing the national anthem, the American national anthem at a basketball mm-hmm. game or something. She doesn't do a very good job. And that's unfortunate. But she does a pretty good job in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she fucking knocks this one out vocally. Uh, and, oh, this is also with the London Symphony Orchestra. Okay. So she's got a whole orchestra backing her, which I don't even think the original had an orchestra. I think it was like, well, it's the John Barry Orchestra, so it is an orchestra, but I, for some reason I thought it was more of a big band, but I've just made that up in my head, so it's probably not true. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, I need to So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you didn't interrupt. She, uh, I, it's, my big takeaway from this one is she, she's got fucking pipes on her. She sings the, the fucking shit out of this. Um, it starts out with eerie chimes, though. I think they're chimes. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like chimes. And, like, kind of like the vibra, like the strings on... Is it vibrato? I think it's vibrato or tremolo for on the string. It's just like when you're vibrating the bow across the string, like back and forth really fast right. kind of thing. Um, there's also the first horn sting is kind of weird because mm-hmm. it like has a build. And then it does this like, like the whole, you know, the thing you can do with an orchestra where like everyone kind of like plays up. I don't know, but like they don't play like like everyone does a run up kind of at the same time. Yeah, and then it's just like the horns just go but up, and then like everything pauses. Like it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there should have been more, but there's not more, so it's better. How does that happen? Yeah. Um, and that's the transition between the first two verses. Yeah, and then when we get to the to that's yeah that is the transition she does the next verse and super horny yeah although the other thing right at the beginning of the second verse uh the Mm -hmm. piano kind of comes in and then starts to play a little progression um and it it's kind of like it kind of sounds like the the like bond progression but it's like 
It sounds similar, I think. Yeah, a little. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm second guessing it now. Because it doesn't last very long. I don't know. It reminds no. me of that. I feel like it is. Because it really doesn't. It doesn't like go up and down or anything, and it goes just mm-hmm. goes down. What? Am I crazy? You might be crazy, Alex. That. Let me hear it. I might be crazy. It's like uh, it's. I think you might be crazy. You might be crazy. Anyway, let's forget about that. But it's got a similar vibe. I'll give you that. Yeah, maybe it's just in. It's it's like in vibe only. Um, a like in vibe only. See, now I'm. I listen to it again, and I'm like, ah, maybe it is the same. It does. Now I'm just as confused as you. So I don't know exactly what's going on there, but it's got it's got a neat vibe going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and the piano also is kind of doing some like runs and stuff so it's really got that like classical piano feel to it right uh, to me or maybe jazz jazz yeah definitely got I some would, chords there's some jazz um kind of shit going on in there and then she kind of does like her build into the chorus mm-hmm. which at that point it kind of Kind of replacing the like wah guitar is the mm-hmm. horns and the piano playing the like dun 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 dun, yeah. dun sort of sound, and they're playing at the same time. That's right, baby. Oh my god, I'm yawning. Yeah, that's right. And then she does a a pretty smooth chorus on the first round. It's very big, long notes. the The piano's doing some jazz shit in the back. Yeah, and then, but then she it has... gets heavy near the end of it. It certainly does. Um, particularly for the when love's gone line, she like mm-hmm. holds that gone for a long time and like changes the vowel. These things like when love's gone. <laughs> yeah. It's a little funny, but it's cool. Just, to, it's funny to think about, but it sounds good. It does sound good. And then, what is it, 126, it, we get a big horn sting, and then it goes into this sort of, like, dark piano. Yeah, just intense piano. Intense moment for a second. And that's, like, the beginning of the third verse. Mm-hmm. Which is, as we talked about, it's kind of the climax of the song. Yeah. Yeah, and then she fucking hits it way high on the, the next chorus, on the intro there. Yeah, she really, she doesn't use the verse in the same way. She moves that into the chorus, which makes sense. Like, that's usually what choruses are. Yeah, it's supposed to be you come back to it, and since people are familiar with it, it, like, hits a little harder for them. Yeah, and she really punches it there. Yeah, you get to, like, 210, and she's fucking blasting it. Yes. And, uh, the... She also kind of holds on the end to when love... I think she says when love dies? Let me take a look. She does, yes. Or when love's done. And then she holds that linger on. That's quite a... Yeah. And then and... the horns come in, and it just all starts getting aggressive. She's, like, screaming ad-libs. Yes, it changes quite a bit here. Like, the... Yeah. The, the rhythm totally switches up. It's, like, completely. And then they're, like, doing all this horn stuff. 
Yeah, the Swing stuff's almost like Phoenix Wright shit. Yeah, basically. Like, it's totally different. And she's just shouting, uh, ad-libbing, just making sounds. Yes. As I've written here, she's screaming about dick. She is screaming about dick. (laughs) And uh, then she sings the first verse, or most of the first verse again. But she's, like, kind of got a different quality about her voice this time. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very, it's more like fry, like vocal fry, sort of. Like it's got that like low roughness. Yeah. And it's, uh, it just, yeah, it ends big. She fucking takes one long note out and the horns go. Yeah, those chimes come back in doing the opening riff and then just horns and it's over. It's horns, baby. It's fucking, yeah, it's buck wild. Yeah. Well, that's what you expect from the queen of, what did you call her? I said the queen of funk. Okay, and with that, we're going to move from the Queen of Funk into the Queen of Rave in 2006. It's Rosala. Rosala. Who's apparently a big deal. I guess, circles. yeah. She's uh, she's from Zimbabwe. She gained success in the early 90s as a vocalist for the Band of Gypsies production team. Uh, her single Everybody's Free in 1993 was kind of her big claim to, claim to fame. And uh, here she is doing a, a dance cover of Diamonds Are Forever. It's six minutes long. It sure is. Um, so without wanting to go into too much detail about everything in this one, it's a lot of dancing drums at the start. Yeah. It's got, like, it's got that beat going on for quite a while. Um, and then there's sort of some vocals. I don't really, I could not tell what they were saying. They're heavily filtered. I thought they were sample at first. Yeah, they um, do that thing where it's like, it sounds like it's coming through the wall of a yeah, nightclub. <laughs> like you're in the bathroom and you're like, oh, what song are they playing? It's like, oh, I love this song. You would think that the line would be Diamonds Are Forever. I would. But it's clearly not. It's clearly not. But I don't know exactly what it is. Um, and this just goes on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the vocals don't actually come in until like 144. Yeah. But there's a little, there's some other interesting stuff in between. Yeah, it's um, a real buildup. It's it starts out with like a bit of drum and then like light synth notes in the back. Yeah, kind of like some synth just... bass doing like a boom, 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 you know. Yeah, and then what it kind of builds to a does? boots and cats for a bit. Then we get the through the wall vocals. We get three notes coming in on a synthesizer. A little guitar sting comes in. You get that kind of noise. And then uh, we at one thirty we get just like a sustained note on a synth. And then like a very quiet version of the main riff, and then a little bit of chimes, and then we get the vocals in. Like that's the the first minute forty five seconds there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all the stuff. Um, and then she. So I, at first expected a sample here, but it is a singer, Rosala. Yeah. Um, singing this part, and I don't even know. I don't even have much about it. Like she sings it and. There's like some piano. Yeah. And ambient synth. It's like piano and ambient synth, really. 
Yeah, and then at the 204 mark, we get that dance track that was built in the first minute and a half, and yeah, that back starts that. backing the, the vocals. And yeah, with all the synth and drum machine that that implies. Yeah. And uh, um, we get your big buildup just before the four-minute mark. That's sort of like, you know, that classic, like, wait for the bass to drop oh, kind of There build. was one thing I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first chorus, right at the yeah. end, it happens very fast when she's singing Lester on. It just does a, like, a boom, like, sting, like, 137, 237, okay. rather. 237. Um I don't know. It sounded almost like a like a you got caught in Metal Gear Solid type sound to me. Okay. It's just like a quick. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like a quick synthesizer sting kind of thing, um, and it kind of does the song. You you jumped way ahead to like four minutes. Yeah, because I kind of zoned out after the two minute mark and yeah. then came back in once I was like, That's hang fair. on, something's changing. <laughs> and it kind of it like goes back into like dancey section like you said before four minutes and it does its like beat thing and brings that other voice back in doing like yeah yeah so at around like 335 you start getting this synth going and that starts to like build up yeah and, like, and then it kind of like repeats in the back the vo- the intro part mm-hmm. but then plays the diamonds are forever forever mm-hmm. forever forever and then there's sort of this like it doesn't have like it kind of like has like build drop sort of thing but they're they're very quick yeah it's not like massive drops or anything like that yeah and like i'm not obviously not an expert but this reminds me more of like 90s dance than it does like mid-2000s but again i could be talking out of my ass there right because for us like young childhood was kind of all a blur so 2006 like in my memory is not that different from 1999 yeah. or sometimes it's hard to differentiate sometimes it is but yeah and like my gap in memory is like 1990s like euro dance 2010s or like late 2000s dubstep and yeah like, nothing in between i don't know about everything in between there <laughs> but i guess this this song yeah. specifically um, it's all diamonds are forever s- samples, apparently. <laughs> That's all they did. Also, um, okay, there's yeah. a there's a part where she sings the diamonds are forever, and then like it turns into a synth note, and she holds it from four fifteen to like four forty five, and the note keeps playing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound like vocals anymore at that point. Interesting. I mean, it's clearly not a person holding it for that entire time, but it plays in the song that way. Yeah, it does. For a while, yeah. Um, and then it's kind of the synth and the like drum machine going. You know, a couple synthesizers with a bass and the, and then that vocal sample or filtered yeah, vocal. Yeah, and that's kind of how it ends out. It kind of ends similar to how it started. And that's it. And it's that's it. It's long, but I it's long because it's a dance track. Um, yeah, it it's does the dance track things. It does the dance track thing. I don't know. I wasn't crazy right. about it. It didn't. Was it for me? It didn't light. It didn't make my diamond hard. No, certainly not. 
It's on the on the hardness scale. I was at fingernail. Fingernail. Which is the same as uh, I think it's a two on the. What is the hardness scale um, called? Mo's. I believe Mo's hardness ah, scale. Ah, Mo's scale of mineral hardness. Yep. So we've got talc. Uh, two is gypsum. Gypsum. I, I don't I was, know. I was a gypsum. You're gypsum. I was like maybe calcite, maybe. But not definitely not quartz, and certainly not diamond. Certainly not diamond. Um, with that, we're gonna move into something a little, little higher on the hardness scale, maybe. Maybe. No, maybe not. Uh, we're gonna talk about Penelope Psy in 2016, or is that an L? Uh, I think it's Psy. Remember when Penelope was a villain in Thieves in Time? Yeah, that was fucked. Yeah. And they, like, implied that was going to go somewhere, and then they didn't do anything with it. Because they didn't make a sequel. Yeah, apparently. apparently that's a, the, that's the, a Sly Cooper reference. In case that's a Sly Cooper reference for you, you people who aren't Cooper heads unaware. at home. Apparently, the studio who made the Thieves in Time game, Sanzaro, has been bought out by, uh, I think, Facebook? That's weird. So for their VR stuff. They're doing VR games. They did some weird stuff. Yeah. Anyway, they made a Sonic game, too. Did they? Yeah. It was for the 3DS, though, so... Okay. It was like the Sonic Boom game on 3DS, so it wasn't oh, like a big deal. Oh, that's not good. That's... No. <laughs> no, it's not. That's a shame. Anyway... I also did Secret Agent Clank, which I wasn't a fan of. I think they, they also did a lot of ports. I think they're just inconsistent. Okay, so they, yeah, it's, it seems they just did the port for that. And they also yeah. did the port of the Sly Collection. Anyway, that's yeah. all because Penelope. Penelope. Psy, Penelope Psy is jazz a jazz vocalist, vocalist and lyricist. And lyricist. Um, who has a whole page about herself, but really that's all you need to know. She did an album of James Bond covers called Sings 007. Including... Uh, License Kill, Thunderbolt, Nobody Does It Better, all kinds of stuff. Goldfinger, we have all the time in the world. Wait, does she do? She does Moonraker, she does Diamonds Are Forever, and she does Gold, mm, Goldfinger. Okay. Which I think is all of Shirley Bassey's songs. Does she do That is correct. One? Yeah. No, it's just the three. So, that. Um, so, this version, it's uh, jazz chords is what this version yeah, is. Yeah, baby. And, like, the first verse, I mean, we've talked about the first verse. It's usually kind of an intro. In this one, it's, yeah. like, everybody's solo at the same time. Yeah. So Just it's like do things. Vocals right off the bat, which usually you get a bit of instrumental lead, but it's, right. like, vocals, this uh, saxophone going. I think it might be trumpet. Oh, is it a trumpet? Fucking, I put sax the whole time because I was like, Jake, you always say horns. You got to be more specific. You're going to get it right this time. It's a sax, goddammit. You tried. Yes, it's I, not. I, I, think, I do think it's a trumpet. It has a solo later on. Fair enough. Saxophones aren't allowed to have solos. They'd be called solophones. <laughs> it sounds <Now>. like <laughs> trumpet solo. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it's that and then the piano doing you know it's particular jazzy shit where it's like yeah it's like play a chord but then some runs just play some notes man yeah who even cares 
Nobody, Alex. That's who cares. Um, so the, a lot of this is just the sacks. I mean, the trumpet going wild. Yes. It's just like, that's this. Like, I tried to like think of like, I'll admit, I'm not a big jazz guy. I don't tend to mm-hmm. dislike or like things about jazz specifically. Well, that's probably not true. I, this didn't have much to like hold on to because there wasn't yeah. like riffs. Or th- regular things happen. It just felt like everyone was doing whatever. All the yeah, time. Yeah, and it all just kind of like happened to be okay together. Yeah. It's like when you put two Pokemon in the daycare and like they don't eat each other, but they're not making a baby either. It's just fine. So Pokemon yeah. can't eat each other in the daycare, but that's not important. That's not important. I don't know. It's like, there's, cause there's kind of like the base, and that was like holding everything down. But then the mm-hmm. rest of the time it was like, Hit those chords, hit those chords, just play. Oh, we're just going to... It was a lot. There's a lot yeah. of things going on. But it didn't feel like, I don't know, composed, I guess? Which is yeah. fine. I guess that's just this style of music. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like everyone wanted to be like dramatic and loungy. Like at She the really same chews time. on the word diamond. Yes. Like, we go to like 102 and some other time. Like, diamond forever. I'm like, what's forever? Diamond. Yeah. Kind of the way she sings. It's very much like the jazz style of singing, I believe, or a style I've always associated with it because that's how mm-hmm. I've seen people sing if they're singing jazz. Like where they do that thing where they kind of like pull their lips back and really like expose their teeth and i think what they're doing is like changing like the resonance of their something either there's like right. soft well, they're, palate they're or their nasal you. cavity it's yeah they're, yeah, burying, yeah, their yeah, they're burying their teeth but like you know they kind of like when they sing high and they kind of like curl their lip up you know what i'm talking right about? they like snarl that? when they do it like, yeah she seems to kind of do that a lot which i've always associated with jazz Maybe it's a um, And then you really like literally chew on it because you can see the teeth. Um, yeah. And what uh, else? saxophone solo comes in at the two minute mark and then it pretty much takes up from two minutes to 315 where we do a vocal and instrumental fade out where diamonds off forever. And again, saxophone, trumpet, a horn. Yeah, again. Saxophone in the notes. Pretty extensive solo, trumpet solo. Um, yeah. And then they fade out for a really long time. Yeah. And then there's a long silence at the end. So this is the only version I think that fades out. Mm-hmm. So I will say compared to la- the one we talked about last week, we talked about um, the Daniel Lance trio. Yeah. This is better than that. Yeah, that I was agree. boring. This has this like at least ventures some substance to, be bold. to it. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's more interesting to listen to for reasons I can't explain. It's like you could take a trip on this song where each time you pay attention to a different role. Yeah, there's and a it would lot be here. Individually interesting. It's too much for my small brain to handle. I'm sure. Yeah, I I can't understand the overlay. It's like you know, but like it seems like there's something going on. Maybe not the best version of that thing, but like it's decent. Mm Hmm. That's my impression of it. Yeah. Yeah. With that, let's talk about uh the the hit Broadway production Moulin Rouge featuring Danny Burstein, Karen, so many people. Olivo, Jacqueline B. Arnold, and probably some other people. Diamonds are forever. 
They are all I need to please me They can stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night Yeah, I'm sure and original Broadway cast of Moulin Rouge, the musical. Yeah. Um Robin Herder, Holly James, don't can't say that name. Jag Magis, Tam Mutu, Aaron Tveit, Sa- Sar Sahir. Oh, I don't know Sahir. how to say that. Not gonna say it. Ricky <laughs> Rogis. Uh, lots of people. Don't know who's in this song. Um, probably all those Too people. Fucking many of them. Probably so, all those people. If you've seen Moulin Rouge, you may be saying, but Alex and possibly Jake. The song Sparkling Diamonds from Moulin Rouge, the movie, doesn't have Diamonds Are Forever in it, pretty sure. Um, What are you talking about? Well, this seems to be a different version from the live musical that was adapted in, in like, 2018. Well, this was recorded in 2019. This was recorded in 2019, Um, but yeah, the the adaptation is 2018. The show has a date of 2018 on it. Whatever that means, I'm sure they were working on it ahead of (laughs) more than just that year. Yeah. so it's different. Yeah, their goal here was to see how many like loosely connected songs they could fit together in one song. And it's real loose at times. <laughs> like, so it starts with Diamonds Are Forever. It starts with mm-hmm. like an announcer being like, "This is our star of our yeah, show." I, was, were you triggered when he said Bohemians? Did he say Bohemians? Uh, yeah, he said something about Bohemians. I was like, ah, ah, "We will rock you!" <laughs> oh shit! I believe. Hmm. There's like an old um play, musical, don't know, called La Bohème. La Bohème. Uh which I think is vaguely like vaguely related to Moulin Rouge, like Moulin Rouge took some inspiration from it. Okay. I don't know. Maybe that <laughs> that might be relevant. Um Maybe. Anyway, so coming back to this uh again i haven't watched the movie in a long time but the movie it is also a medley but it it's like diamonds are girl's best friend and material girl and maybe just those two yeah i think um and it's nicole kidman Mm -hmm. this is obviously not nicole kidman um but it's a lot more stuff like we said so the announcer comes in and then she starts singing she starts with that diamonds are forever um it's a very like there's like a whole band doing that like intro riff stuff, but it's also modern enough that who knows what's there. Um, yeah, there's like a big like kind of I'm calling it like an explosive drum. It's probably just a big tom that goes off like once in the background every like bar or two. Right, just, like, just like, boom. boom. And then yeah, of like a you got the spooky. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And that's like and the, briefly we get the horns, we get a sort of like glistening like. Noise, yeah, um, kind of like you know, ch- it, that, like chime sound effect of just like yeah. dragging across the chimes, and it feels horny. Like this is a uh, this is certified horny material. Yes, I mean it's got that like is it on Broadway? Anyway, it's got that you know Broadway musical. Um, they're professional performers who yeah. like their well, no entire one's truly thing is horny as musical theater kids. This is true, and like <laughs> it's. It's their job is to like sing and also emote at the same time. Like, so they're doing it. They're doing a good job. Yeah, doing it. Um, and then, yeah. And then she does like the first couple verses, two verses, I think. Um, yeah. And then the drums start up. And then she just does the like repeated diamonds are forever and ever and ever thing. 
for a while. Yeah. And then there's like a transition. I don't know what it's. F- I don't know if it's from something where they just do this like. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like it's just a transition. Like it sounds. I don't think yeah, it's like from classical show the other transition, songs, right? but it's, like it's it just <laughs> sounds like what you'd like do to transition from solo singer in a spotlight to like chorus line. Yeah, it's just like a move you do. And then the song doesn't come up again for the whole the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's gone. Um, it is. They go into Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend. Yeah. Uh, then they go into Material Girl. But isn't between Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend and Material Girl? Don't they do the the O O O section from Single Single Ladies in between? They definitely do single all the single ladies. Yeah. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. All that. the single ladies. I don't. I didn't write things in order. I just made a list. So, yeah. Hang on, I'm listening for it now. Okay. Are you hearing it? No, I'm hearing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it goes to the OOOs at the two minute mark here. Okay. But then it goes into Material Girl. And, and then later on, they come back to single And then ladies. it goes, yeah, from there it goes back into single ladies. And then, for reasons I could not explain to you, they start mm-hmm. singing Brick House. Yeah. That I didn't get. I don't that, know that yeah, song lost very on well. me. Um, and those are the songs in this song. That's what this medley's made of. Yeah, and it kind of like goes back to, uh, back to single ladies, and then to, I think, Diamond's uh, our girl's best friend again. I think, yeah, that's the end. Yeah, it's just like a, it was a jarring ride. It was too much. It's too a much lot. Stimuli, man. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like as part of the musical, it's just like her show or whatever. So it's this big, like you know, it's supposed to be showy because it's a show within a show, right. showing you like why this why Nicole Kidman's great. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I watched that. I think she dies of tuberculosis. I honestly really don't remember the plot of Moulin Rouge, despite having seen it a lot in my youth. Yeah, that's fair. I only watched it one time, so. You only watched it once? Yeah. Maybe one Lucky. and a half. <laughs> uh, um, but I do know that it is the reason that my girlfriend, Greta James, thought that uh, Elton John wrote Heroes. And maybe he did. No. He better not have. That would be a very, that would be a big surprise. Um, but yeah, that's really um, all there's to say about that version. Yeah, this version is chaotic and not in like a cool, awesome way. In a way that makes me want to vomit. Let's talk about the Pink Diamond review in 2020. Yeah, uh, a band so obscure that uh, in the in the discovered on section in Spotify, where it'll tell you like what playlist people have found it, found this band by. Your playlist for this week's songs is the only is the second one of two listed. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Not only that, this track dropped this month, so we're, this is like cutting edge yeah, reporting. Yeah, and these guys don't have a lot of like they have two songs on Spotify. Um, according to their website, they're really more a live thing. I don't think they record a lot. Yeah, I could believe that. Um, they so are... I have some quotes here. They're Spangly Gold, yeah. late 1950s LSD-inspired Tripodelica, a world where 60s film soundtracks meet sampledelic acid house in a baggy punk rat hole somewhere in 
Interzone. The Pink Diamond Review, a band who makes it good to feel bad. I'm going home to wash my soul. Go and see them. No one puts on a show quite like the Pink Diamond Review do. Yeah, they've got this, like, interest. Like, I'm just looking across uh, at their at their website, and it's, like, almost, like, approaching Vaporwave. Not quite. More so in the color mm-hmm. scheme than anything. Um, and it's it's kind of, like, that mixed with, like, Max Headroom. Like, with, like, lights flashing on things. Does that make sense? I, yeah. I think they described, some, someone described them as sexy electro-psychedelia. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and what they seem to me, they're like a kind of electronic band. Who, uh, they use synthesizers. There's, like, a guy with a guitar. They have a drummer. They might only have two guys. I think they have two guys and, like, a mannequin. Because if you look yeah. on their on their Facebook page, lists the band members as Acid Doll, Tim, and Rob. Yeah. Um, and their interests are listed as Chasing Girls. That's right. Um, so yeah, it's this. It's a sample, really. Um, so this version, it's a lot of synthesizer stuff. Like they kind of open with. Like repeated trigger synthesizer. Um, yeah. Overall, and then you get the like a heavy guitar track that falls it down, 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 down. Yeah. And then and, uh, a voice quote that's used frequently where he says, "The strange dimension of LSD." Oh, LSD. Uh, it's basically like those two samples. Um. Also, the guitar is like the guitar. The heavy guitar is very close to the um like bond progression yeah you're right there's like one small change they like have an extra note in between the first two but it's basically doing like boom 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 Mm -hmm. except between yeah then so we move from the sort of intro to where you usually get like the 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 chimey tune to this just fucking dirty like gross sounding synth right it's It's a very harsh synth and it's playing the progression Mm -hmm. but it's like not subtle at all and like there's no like the like very mysterious quality of the original totally gone completely gone yeah replaced with this like freaky nightmare vibe like it's very heavy yeah and a lot of it is that. So basically, and then later on is when they actually come in with, like, it suddenly goes to a sample of the song. And, like, yeah, and like it jerks quite suddenly yes. from that, that synth to just a straight sample of the original. And their drums are still playing, but they're playing the original. It's the chimes from the original the, uh, mm-hmm. and the vocals from the original. Um, and then they get that triggered synth from the beginning going in. You get the, yeah. the strange dimension of LSD. And then it'll just kind of cut between that segment and that fuck nasty synth. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, there's there's the strange dimension of LSD sample. Don't yeah. know what that is. Don't know who's saying that. That's probably no. from something, right? Um, yeah. There's the vocals from Diamonds Are Forever. There's the riff mm-hmm. from Diamonds Are Forever. And then there's the synth version of that riff. Um, and mm-hmm. all of those four elements are kind of put together in different ways throughout the song. And that's basically the song. I I mean, I don't want to go into like specifically when everything happens. It's Yeah, but those are the components three minutes and they kind of, of swapping those like sh- just switching those things out and and mo- putting them in different 
different configurations. Yeah. And like the first time I listened to this, I fucking hated it. It's but yeah, then, it's odd. It's odd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On subsequent listens, I was like, this is actually kind of fucking cool. Like it's it sets up a completely different vibe. And I think like the the harsh tones chosen for the synth and stuff is like very intentional and I think it does set up a, right. a sort of cool atmosphere. Because it's like it's like a pretty simple synth sound. Mm-hmm. But just like very like in your face. Yeah. Harsh. So yeah, it's it's uh and it's like repetitive kind of thing, you know, they're going over the same like it's playing that voice over and over again, then it'll play Diamonds Are Forever. It only plays Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. Forever. For you know, like it doesn't play the rest of the song. No, anything. yeah, it's just that the the title line being sampled. So yeah, it's interesting, but uh there's uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, we've covered it. That's we did. We <laughs> talked about it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really it. all there is to say about it. I, I, I don't know. I was I was kind of charmed by it. Uh, with that, we're going to get into our final verdicts. We got three categories today. We're going to we're going to change it up a little, though. Instead oh. of worst version, it's going to be uh, talc and uh, best version <laughs> is going to be diamond. And then the final category is which version is mo- mo- most accurately represents your penis. Oh, which version most accurately represents orthoclase? Sorry, I'm still yeah. looking at the most hardness scale. Um, all right. Okay. All right, Alex, which 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 version of this is a one on the most hardness scale, which is uh, talc? Uh, which version is talc? Let's see. Um, for me, which one didn't I like? I think I have to say rosala i i i couldn't really get into the this particular dance version like you said it it seemed like maybe it was not quite the right time frame i don't know it 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 didn't yeah something about it feels dated it doesn't feel like even the dance parts don't feel like compellingly dancey enough to me yeah and i feel like they could have done some more some more sample because like the song has some really cool stuff and maybe it's too i'm trying to remember what the time frame on the uh the kanye west song would be if this had been first or not i don't remember um or i don't know um but so maybe it'd be too much to like put in a lot of samples from the song because he kind of used the best parts um but it's almost not yeah it's like not enough yeah kanye was 2005 this one's 2006 okay so maybe this was in the works and they're like shit uh <laughs> oh, i don't know it. um but yeah it, it uh it almost feels like they could use more of the song mm-hmm. which i don't think about the pink diamond review version i feel like they did what they did okay they did what they wanted to do yeah i think they did the the right thing weird as that sounds yeah um what's yeah, your talc version me, my talc version of this is i think it's got to go to cinerama because it was just soft that's at, fair. at points where where this song needed hardness in it, and like it was fine, I kind of liked some of the spark sparseness going on in it. I liked the distorted guitar stings. It just needed more going on. It was it felt a little boring, a little flat, and like I mean, honestly, I could also just as easily agree with you on Rosala because I think it was bloated and uninteresting. But uh, in in the in the interest of you know spreading the hate. Uh, the criticism, as it were. I'm going to give it to Cinerama. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Spread it around a little bit. 
All right, Alex, what's the diamond amongst these? Um, what is the diamond? Mm-hmm. I've got two in mind, I two think. Two diamonds? Yeah, because there were a couple I liked for sure. Um, I mean, I've got three in mind, but one of them I'm already picking for the dick category, so. Okay, fair enough. Um, which of these is diamond? Which of these is forever, logically? Um, silence. Silence. You want me silence. to go first, Alex? Yeah, you go first. Okay, I think the answer, I think the one I got to go with, I think Project Pimento put in a good effort. I like the theorem and stuff, but I got to give it to Shaka Khan because she just fucking knocks out the vocals on this and it's it, like it gets to the end and it's just big and fucking boisterous and crazy and she's screaming and you're like, ah, 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 ah. That's, that was awesome. I think you can't beat that, particularly for this song. Yeah, her version was really strong, but I also liked. Project Pimenta and like I'm I'm I don't want to give it to Pink Diamond review even though I liked it like I feel like it's too I don't know I it's too different for me to like think about in that way mm. but maybe that's not true you know we've talked about songs that sample things before um I think I'm gonna give it to Project Pimento though um it was a little bit different feel for the song and it used the theremin and I think about theremins a lot these days. Yeah, I think that theremin work was fucking stellar. Yeah. Yeah, hell and it's yeah. That's a tough to for play sure. a theremin, I'm sure. Now, I haven't played a theremin much, but I mean, they're not like, like you have to put your hand in a place. So it's like playing a violin more so than like a piano, you know? Because there's, or, or like something without frets versus a guitar. Mm-hmm. Or I guess a trombone. Because you can just move trombone. that slide around. <laughs> all right all right alex we're gonna move into the dick category i'm gonna go first here yeah I please the do that, the version that most accurately accurately represents my, the experience of my wiener is uh the pink diamond review where it's <laughs> it's it's just weird and bizarre and then you're, you're not sure if you do or you don't like it but then you come back to it and you're like yeah yes maybe i do like this and it's you're like yeah right just not sure but it can yeah, sell itself it's a confusing experience but it is an experience you know yeah Okay. I think I know what you mean. Because you just explained it. Hey, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go with Rosala again because it's just too long. <laughs> <laughs> but for real. <laughs> um, no. John Barry. I think I'd have to go with John Barry version, the, the instrumental version. Because, like, it's just kind of in the background. And, like, it's good that it's there. It would definitely be different if it wasn't. But, like, you're not noticing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's holding everything together but you, yeah, you don't really appreciate it it's important it. <laughs> but it's easy to forget it's there that's right and that's how you know it's doing its job right <laughs> incredible um that's been our final verdict if you have a similar opinion different opinion or you want to tell us about your your wiener jam uh hit us up on twitter hashtag cover me pod hashtag the cressy wiener jam Hashtag obviously. Wiener Jam, <laughs> obviously, uh, at some Alex Wise guy. Um, you can also send us an email at covermepod at gmail.com. You can send us questions, <laughs> comments, concerns, suggestions for songs we should cover, uh, you know, whatever you like to do. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, your favorite podcast casting app. Tell your friends about us. Follow us. Review us. 
let the people know we're doing this every week. We, you know, we do it out of love for not even for you guys because you y'all don't exist to us. Basically, it's mostly we just, just each the, other. Yeah, for each other and the love of the game, you know. Yeah, the game. The game, brother. Play to win. And with that, we're gonna jump into our bonus segment, uh, which this week we're gonna talk about. We've been talking about, well, at least this week, we talked about a song named after a movie. We want to talk about the reverse: movies named after songs, and you know what's what's sort of the 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 peak peak films in that category. Alex, you've done some research on this. Briefly. I have. Well, what, are you, was, what are your thoughts? It, it's kind of a little bit muddy sometimes because there's a lot of different almost categories of this. So you mm-hmm. were specifically talking about movies named after songs. Yes. Okay. Well, like even among that, like there's. I was going through like a list of songs and movies that shared names, which is very generic. So obviously right. there's songs written for movies like these Bond songs, things like Ghostbusters. I think is the song called Ghostbusters? I don't know. Footloose definitely. Um, yeah. And then there's songs named after movies like Godzilla or Forrest Gump, something okay. like that. Yeah. Uh, where they like don't. Which th- even those aren't the same because Godzilla is about Godzilla, kind of like it's about a monster. But Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know what that song's about off the top of my head. Oh, that's head. by uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's by Frank Ocean, that's right? Frank Ocean song. But now I'm now second guessing what that song is about. Um, and then of that's, course there's. I think it's about sex. If I know Frank Ocean, probably. And then of course <laughs> movies named after songs like Streets of Fire we talked about in the past. Check out that episode; yep. it's pretty good. Uh, Sweet Home Alabama. That's another mm-hmm. movie named after a song. Uh, there's movies that like tell the basic story of a song, kind of like Last Christmas. Right. Uh, there's movies that are named after songs because they're biopics, like Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man or Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's movies that are named after a song because they're like relevant to the artist, like Blinded by the Light or Yesterday, both of which came mm-hmm. out last year. Um, and then there's movies named after songs because they're jukebox musicals, like Across the Universe or Rock of Ages. Right. Um, and then I got a little bit off topic. There's songs that are named after books that have a movie adaptation, like Frankenstein, which is instrumental and has nothing to do with the book or the movie, or Romeo and Juliet, which isn't really a book, it's a play, but anyway. Um, Then there's songs that are named after movies that have a remake that makes it seem like that song being based off that movie is kind of silly, which is basically only referring to Cinderella Man by Rush. Um, (laughs) Yep. And then... Movies and songs that have the same name but seem to be probably unrelated more or less. Right. Now, I don't know about this first one. There's a movie called Point Blank. There's a Bruce Springsteen Mm -hmm. song called Point Blank. I don't think they're related other than the concept of Point Blank, which is already its own thing separate from both of those. Yeah. The movie Dazed and Confused doesn't have the song Dazed and Confused in it. But I think it is meant to refer to the Led Zeppelin song. But, yeah, I guess so. Um, Especially even, I think, the uh, it's like the Criterion Collection version of that you get. The artwork is based off, I want to oh, say, is Led it? Zeppelin 3. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's not totally unrelated, but it still is in this category. Or So when I was, generally. yeah, when I was, the subcategory I'm picking well. is like movies that you know are named after the song for sure, not just coincidentally sharing a title. Right. But it doesn't it doesn't really matter if they're like a biopic or if they're, you know, like it's a story that's based that has some connection to that song or whatever the fuck. Just that it's named after that. 
just similarly the way that songs named after movies or even made for movies sometimes have lyrics that are fully about what happens in the movie sometimes they're just about being horny for the main character or sometimes they're just you know they're like loosely related right so this is just a song that shares a name rather a movie movie. yeah wait it's the song that I have to like, right? Not the movie? No, no, the movie. I have to like the movie. Okay. Yes. The problem is I've not seen a lot of these movies. Um, so obviously Streets of Fire is up there because it's wild. Yeah, I, I'd completely forgot about that one. <laughs> um, and the, again, that's one that doesn't have the song in it. Um, mm-hmm. Is the Ghostbusters song called Ghostbusters? I think it's Ghostbusters theme. I could be wrong, Alex. Um, I was thinking, uh, what is it? Detroit Rock City. Yes, that was, which I know on, was... <laughs> that was coming up in my category called marketing material. Yeah, that is definitely marketing material, but I, I don't know. It's not a good movie, I don't think, but I, did, I, I still have a it's soft kind of spot amusing. for it. I kind of like it. Um, yeah. So I'm just like trying to think of these ones that I've actually seen. Um, mm-hmm. I like to cross the universe. Yeah, that I was a to, good one. I used to watch it a lot. Um, <laughs> can I say the Adam Sandler version of Cinderella Man? Yeah, absolutely. Does that count? <laughs> That's canon. Yeah, the song was written based on the original movie, which I believe was called "Mr. Deeds Go to T- Goes to Town" or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a lot of movies I've written down here, but which one is actually a movie? Like, of all the ones here, the only movies mm-hmm. I've seen are, like, Across the Universe and Streets of Fire. Yeah. So okay, so the question then becomes, between the two of those, Alex, which is the better one? It's got to be Streets of Fire. I don't know. Streets of Fire. <laughs> ridiculous. I think yeah, Streets of Fire is more memorable. Across the Universe doesn't have Willem Dafoe. No, it doesn't. So that's your answer right there. That is your answer right there. I'm sure there's one I'll I'll think of later. I'm sure I've forgotten, but that's uh, what I'm going to say right now. That's a good answer. And, you know, for me, I'm just going to stick with Detroit Rock City. I think it's, I mean, it is a, a just a marketing material movie, but it's it's got fucking, I think it's got good performances from the kids in it. And it's it's funny, stupid it's fun. humor, right? It's a lot of fun. Like it's, it's a good stoner comedy. Yeah. Um, if y'all have a, a movie that you love that you know is named after a song, hit us up, hashtag song movie, on the old Twitter. And as we always say on co- Cover Me, I fucking didn't, I barely looked at the lyrics for this. Alex, quick, what do we always say on Cover Me? And as we always say on Cover Me, we. I like diamonds because our hearts are transparent. And you should endeavor to live in that way as well. Share yourself with the world. Yep. That was beautiful, Alex. As we always say on Cover Me, Cover Me episodes are forever. (laughs) 